You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash Rays Unfiltered. We did a brand new segment yesterday looking at uh, and bantering about the most overrated and underrated players in Tampa Bay Rays history. Uh, Ulysses, uh, we are continuing what is going to be a long-running series for the next several weeks, our player reviews from 2020. And again, the game plan is so you don't get totally bogged down by player reviews Monday through Friday. The, the idea is we will do those uh, unless something breaks Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, reserve Monday for our weekend takeaways and Friday for our Ramblin' Rays and trivia segment where we bring on a, a guest listener to co-host the show. But it is a I don't Thursday, know, Kevin. which means uh, uh, more player reviews. People were upset. I got a lot of DMs telling me that we should have talked about Cash getting manager of the year. So I... Uh, just I, I told him, hey, direct your hate uh, to add Kevin Weiss because uh, he was the the one that said, you know what? We've talked enough about Kevin Crash. Uh, there's no need to pra- sing his praises anymore. Big whoop. So what? He got the manager of the year. Whatever. Let's move okay. on. Okay. Again, we we discussed why Kevin Cash deserved and deserves the manager of the year award. I will reference those people, those complainers, if you will, those Karens, maybe (laughs) that uh, go to episode, uh, the episode on November 4th worth the cash. And that lays out everything in uh, 35, 40 minutes. So if you want to hear our thoughts on why, again, might as well just repost that episode and say, Kevin update, Cash won yeah. the manager of the year award. There we go. So if we, you want to. What yeah. we can do is uh, this today's episode can just be that. And then with a little warning in the first 10 seconds or something, Hey, cash won it. Exactly. And, then, and we congratulated go. him yesterday. Again, what he did was amazing outside of game six of the world. Some, some of those awards though, uh, I just, except for like Cy Young or whatever MVP, sometimes it feels, and sometimes even those, but for manager of the year, it feels like it's a, it's a, okay, it's a boys club thing. Like, okay, now we've nominated you, nominated you three times. Here's right. Uh, it's, it's well, this like, year, okay, I think he was definitely done. deserving though. When you right, consider- right. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I'm just saying like those awards, like manager of the year, sometimes it feels like, okay, sorry, we didn't give it to you the last two, three years. Uh, but here you go. I don't know. Right. That's why I, I feel like that about manager of the year. Not, I don't feel like that about uh, Cy Young or MVP as much. Right. Rookie of the year. Right. That one. I mean, third time. I mean, yeah. With, with all the pitching injuries and the fact that uh, he led the team to a 40 and 20 record, the one run games, all the managerial moves he had to make. And uh, he was working, he was working hard and to be able to get that clubhouse uh, 
on the same page and comfortable and relaxed during the whole pandemic and everything. There we go. Kevin Cash deserves the award. Congratulations to him. That is another that is another Tampa Bay area product to win manager of the year award. I believe Tony La Russa was one. I believe Lou Pinella had to win one, right? So to, uh, Tony La Russa has been winning a lot of things lately. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. I actually, so when did he get that DUI back in February? I, it was definitely this year. I don't know the okay. month, but yeah. It, it gives me some confidence in the system where the police officer was like, yeah, I don't care. Hall of Fame, what? <laughs> Who? You're, you, Maybe you got a he DUI, hates buddy. baseball. Maybe he hates yeah. it. He's just like one of those, like, no, football forever kind of person. And he's just I'm, like, I'm yeah, sure he's, he's come across the name me. Tony LaRusa, but the fact that a guy of Tony LaRusa's stature still gets uh, what could be perceived as similar treatment to the to the average Joe, the average folk shows that uh, thing, things are okay. Wherever he was, where was he arrested? I don't even know. I don't, I don't, we don't even want to go into that. It, player yeah, review time. Player review time. Let's yes, go. Player review. Con- continuing go. with alphabetical order. Man, we've got some doozies today. Nick Anderson and Randy Arazarena. Ulysses, wow. I will let you do the honors of introducing one Nick Anderson. Well, f- first of all, I don't know if we're going to have such a star-studded uh, duo in this player review. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, Anderson and Rosarena. Wow. That's, that's a good one. So hope you guys enjoy the fact that we dove deep into the numbers. Look, as every race fan knows, there were two Nick Anderson's in 2020, the regular season uh, and postseason Nick Anderson. They're completely different stories. So let's take a, a look at those two stories. Number one, the regular season, he pitched 16 and a third innings. 26 strikeouts, an ERA of 0.55, a FIP of 135, a silly 0.49 whip. Just didn't have any runners on. Amazing. But let's keep going. The walk rate decreased from 6.8% to 5.2%. That's good news. The strikeout rate increased from 41.7% to 44.8% from 2019 to 2020. The left on base increased from 78.9 to 90.9. Let's get to the bad things. The launch angle against Nick Anderson did increase heavily from 19.6 degrees to 31.4. The barrel percentage, which indicates um, where the ball is hit with at the best spot on the bat increased from 7.5% in 2019 to 10.3%. So they were hitting him a little bit better. Yeah. On, Can I on, put on an the asterisk there? I mean, how many hits yeah. did he give up? Like just a handful. So a couple yes. of those, I mean, over the course of 162 or however oh. many, yeah. This is the one, again, player reviews, 60 games, special okay. reliever yes. that was out two to three weeks. Yes, you can make these things. Um, the wrinkles are there. But the fly ball percentage also increased from 41.7% to 72.4%. So, again, these were the, the, the red flags, um, and they take us into the postseason, these right. red flags, because – now, in 14.2 innings pitched, his left on base decreased 20 points. So when in the regular season he comes in with bases loaded uh, or lets in a walk or whatever may have you, 
he got those outs in the regular season. He got those outs and he left those base runners stranded in the postseason. Not so much. Uh, he, he started letting in inherited runners and also the guys that he got on. Uh, he only allowed one home run in the regular season and the playoffs. He surrendered three. Uh, he faced a total of, this is the one that got me too. Yeah. Um, he faced a total of 58 batters in the regular season, 58. He faced 61 in the postseason, 61, Crazy. three more with, t- uh, two innings less, uh, less of work in two months, less, <laughs> of, a, of, a, of, a, of a regular season. He had four walks in the playoffs instead of three in the regular season. And if you can say that the biggest thing was the strikeout rate that we, we talked about when it was happening, he didn't have his swing and miss stuff uh, from 44.8% uh, that strikeout rate to 14.8%. Nobody was fool, fooled anymore. Right. And, 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 and Nick Anderson lives by fooling people with his high fastball and that dirty uh, curveball. So, Last thing I would say about Nick Anderson is the usage. Mm-hmm. It, th- he got tired. He was overused. Um, whichever one came first, you be the judge of that. He, right. he got tired because he was overused. He got overused, so he got tired. Whichever one, the chicken or the egg thing. But those two things are true. Let's look at his postseason. Two games against the Blue Jays, he pitches the two games. Five games uh, against the Yankees. He pitches two of those games. Never any less than two innings pitched against the Yankees. He played three out of the seven games against the Astros with a two-inning outing. And then he played three out of six games against the Dodgers. The last seven appearances, he got scored on. Let's be also mindful that the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and then the Astros series didn't have off days in between. Right. This is the story of Nick Anderson, a very successful, amazing story during the regular season. Uh, and in the postseason, the results were in there because he got overused and tired. That's it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And that is not on Nick Anderson. That is on the front office. That is on the coaching staff. That is on the training staff for not maybe coming to his defense and saying, okay, you need a day off. You need probably a couple days off, quite frankly. In fact, those numbers that you speak to, he wasn't a reliever. He was an everyday ball player. Yeah. He was a position player as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, he probably got more action than Hunter Renfro, got definitely more action than Yoshi Satsuko and a lot yeah. of guys. I mean, he was, he was on the field for a long time in a while. And that's also adding into the fact that Let's remember, he had a, a forearm tightness, an injury, and returned in September. And yet they still, still yeah. go to the well. And I think it was a case of going to the well one too many times and working him to death. And I don't think this is, look, we can look at the numbers and dive into the numbers all we want. I think that come 2021, Nick Anderson will basically be back. Or it's hard to replicate what he does and what he's done in the regular season. But Nick Anderson, as we know, he'll be more regular season Nick Anderson than postseason Nick Hopefully. Anderson. If it's not a lingering issue of uh, a, a greater arm injury or forearm injury 
or something like that. And it should have been so evident from the eye test. Uh, Kevin Cat, everybody, everybody who's involved in the Rays organization should have realized this, that he, he's laboring to throw 95, 96. Do you think- last year, last year, last October, it was an easy 98, 99 top of the zone. Like, and, and, you know, I, I looked at a couple things here. What's funny is actually his, uh, his average fastball velocity in 2020 decreased on average from, so his average fastball velocity in 2020 was 95.2 compare that to 2019, 96 miles per hour spin rate also decreased. Uh, and vertical movement was worse than in 2019. Now, I don't know if those numbers uh, encompass the postseason, um, but maybe I- I'm sure if you look at what he did uh, from when he returned from that forearm tightness injury, his stuff probably wasn't Nick Anderson level stuff from what we're used to seeing. But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where based off what he did in the postseason, I'm not ready to say that, although it seemed that way, I was, I was kind of getting there with how many times he got hit and how many times he had given up earned runs and gotten into trouble and things like that, that, Oh, Nick Anderson's done. It might be time to move on from him. But I'm thinking that you, you give this guy a full off season and if there's no issue with his arm, uh, nothing, uh, nothing acute there, then I, I expect, Nick Anderson to next year be a very, very reliable, high leverage. Uh, can't call him a closer, but a guy that you commend for coming in in any situation you ask of him. Whether So you don't see inning, him being an Emilio Pagan situation? Not necessarily. Not yet. I mean, maybe he might not be as good as he was in 2019 in regular season of 2020, but I don't, I don't think the wheels have totally come off and he's turned into – Emilio Pagan, but I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong, but because speaking to how he was used in the postseason, every time, every time, right. every time, that that's not going to be good for anybody, especially no, it's not. coming off an injury. And, and, and I like that you point the injury out too, because that that's something. I mean, they were leaning heavily on him. They were again not to go down this uh, rabbit hole, but Game Six, they leaned on him on Game Six when Blake Snell is throwing darts. They leaned on a guy that had been struggling heavily. Not since the first Yankee outing had he had a scoreless outing. So it's it, overused and, and just a lot of trust there. I mean, yeah. I, I hope that someday, you know, we all meet somebody that trusts us as much as Kevin Cash right. trusted Nick Anderson during those playoffs. I mean, my goodness, it's just a blind trust there. Um, so unfortunately I do think that the postseason will put, put a little bit of a, of a damper in, in Nick Anderson's uh, reputation with the fans. Right. I do think that because it's just another monster the the postseason. I mean, that's what, that's what the dream is. Everybody yeah. forgets quickly, usually in sports, if you're a fan, but if you screw up in the postseason, people don't forget. And so I am not, I'm not going to be that reactive and, 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 and reactionary and say, Hey, he doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. But I will say that I think that definitely uh, skewed my, my grading for him. Yeah. And I, and again, I think it's, it's not necessarily that Anderson has lost it and he's turned into Emilio Pagan. It's the fact of, uh, I mean, everybody in the room 
everybody that was watching the game uh, from a Rays perspective and probably a Dodgers perspective realized they're going to bring it. Why are they bringing in Nick Anderson? He struggled. Look, yeah. and also just the fact of you mentioned it happened to, I mean, consistently, regularly try to run through the Astros lineup and the Yankees lineup in the Dodgers lineup. And, and at some point, he never got an easy team there. No. Even in the regular season, look back at his log, guys. I mean, sometimes he was coming in with bases loaded with no outs. Men right. on second and third with one out or two out, and, and they're three, four, five hitter coming up. These are the situations that Nick Anderson just did 2020 beautifully. He did it beautifully in yeah. the regular season. But every time he was on the mound, it was high leverage. And then in the postseason, my goodness. I mean, there's already high leverage, even if you're winning 5-0 in the seventh or the eighth inning, okay? It's a freaking playoffs but right um, it, unbelievable the the stress that that really they, they put on him and we've talked about oh 12 different pitchers getting saved that isn't that awesome to get all of them acclimated to the high state the the high pressure point so in the in the playoffs they could contribute where was that where was that because you rode nick anderson to death yep to to, to the fact that he was no longer successful to the fact that he had a strikeout rate of less than 15%, to, to the fact that uh, every runner that he got on was, was coming to score. He didn't have yeah. his stuff anymore. Where, where, where was the usage of Diego Castillo or Peter Fairbanks or anybody else? So why did you use 12 pitchers for a save if you really weren't going to trust them when you needed to trust them and give Nick Anderson a day off? Where was right. that? And I, I think some of that too was just the fact there were so many injuries that like there were times Nick Anderson wasn't available. So-and-so wasn't available. Just, you you got to throw somebody in that ninth inning situation and in that closer role. And I think that's probably how they got a handful of those uh, 12, 13 guys that got saves there. But just like, you know, I, I'm not going to totally put, I, I know a lot of fans are probably against and, and not feeling great about Anderson right now, but I, I point to you and look at, well, do you want to say the same thing about Austin Meadows, about Brandon Lau in the postseason? Charlie Morton has had his dust-ups in the postseason. Tyler Glass. Every, seemingly are. everybody has they had their issues are. in the postseason. Everybody they went down a notch like because of the postseason. Yeah. The postseason just, you know, you're counting on, 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 on the horses, right? I, mean, I think it was Dave uh, uh, that said uh, you're in the postseason, you expect – your best players to be the best players. And right. that wasn't the case. And it's hard to do that when you're probably not a hundred percent and you're pitching on back to back days or back to back to back days. And you're throwing 30 pitches at a clip and you're facing the best line. I, there's a lot that goes into it just besides the fact that, Oh, look at his postseason ERA. He's no longer good. We've got to, again, right. some nuance here with all, I, I think over usage. That was, that was yeah, the, the, the story that killed him. That's the story. And you know what? He's not going to complain. He's not going to say no athletes don't typically go to their coach or Chinese yeah. say, you know, I'm not feeling they, they pitch or they, they make a movement until they literally can't till they're hurt. And Nick yes. Anderson is the, the prototype of that ball uh, of that, where he'll take the ball in any situation, any count, any game, and he'll do what's asked of him without complaining, which is really, really commendable from his standpoint and all that he's come through to get to this point that, you know, coming from indie ball and having his personal issues that, yeah, he wants to take the ball every chance he gets. That's the kind of guy you want, uh, that kind of guy you want, but it's up to the training staff to have an eye on that for Kevin Cash, other coaches to be like, Hey, maybe, maybe we should talk to Nick, but, uh, we're going on tangents now. Let's give him the grade. Take out the red pen. Um, 
I'm going to give them a 91 okay. for the season, an A minus. So you're including the postseason. Uh, we are including postseason. I mean, if this was so we were yesterday, but now we are. I'm confused. No, no, I don't we know changed it yesterday. Okay. we changed it yesterday. Um, Maybe a grain of salt with the postseason. I yeah, guess because you, you know okay. Willie and uh, we, we we and Alvarado, we we gave him the postseason. Like we can't uh, give Brandon Lau a D, right? I mean, that's got to be a no, no, because he did so well. So look, he did amazing in the regular season, Nick Anderson. I would have given okay. him an extra credit, 110 out of 100. Uh, but the the postseason does bump him back. So yes, I am including postseason. If you played enough postseason, right. <laughs> I'm going to include the postseason because it's a 60 game season. Yes. So um, yes, I, I'm going to give him an a minus a 91 to Nick Anderson. All right, I'll give uh, I'll give Anderson a solid A. What's just above an a minus a 93 or 94? I think 94. 94. Okay, I'll give him a 94. A 94 okay. um, because of. The, the regular season numbers still pop out to me uh, and the Rays, quite frankly, uh, don't get to where they get to without Nick Anderson at times, even with his struggles there. Uh, I'll, I'll give the, the coaching staff in the front office an F though for managing and how they handled Nick Anderson. Yeah. So uh, yeah. there's one for you or a D minus or something like that, but I'll give, I'll give Anderson a solid a here. I'll give him a solid a and um you know, if, if he had actually, if he wasn't hurt in the regular season, I probably would have given him an, an A plus just based on the numbers. If he was able to stay healthy and put up those numbers that he did. I mean, those I like were, there's a reason that he was a consideration for reliever of the year based on the regular season. I like this. Uh, I'm the negative Nancy today. You were the negative Nancy yesterday. This is how we compliment each other, buddy. Look, I'm trying to lift Nick Anderson up. I don't want to pick a fight. He's a guy that you don't want to fight with. Big old six foot four guy from Minnesota. You were trying to pick uh, a fight with Willie Adamas yesterday. I I, I brought him up. I was yeah, like, well, no, he, he'd swing and miss. How about that? <laughs> he'd swing and miss. There After we go. After that, go to break, please. Zinger. Okay, we'll move on and review Randy Arozarena's season after this. All right, Ulysses, we've reviewed Nick Anderson and now going in alphabetical order. It is time to review Randy Arozarena. The Cuban Mookie Betts, A-Roz, Habanero, Chef Randy. couple new Look, nicknames. I got Boots and Sonic. How about that? Those are nice, but I found out by his social media that he calls himself and people around him I've called him El Jefe. Do you know what that means? Uh, the boss, boss man, something along those lines. The boss, El Jefe. So you How know what? dare you ask if I know what El Jefe means? I, I mean, I took some <laughs> Spanish. I don't know how much you you forgot from high school. High school's been a long time for us, buddy. That, that's basically like C. Do you know what C means in, in Spanish? <laughs> well, oh, the fact is, he is the boss, El Jefe. So now this... This is his nickname. Uh, he, if he uses it himself, I'm going to use it. El Jefe. I thought that was Wander Franco's nickname in the minor leagues. Wander so Franco be... is El Patron. That's the same thing. No boss and boss? They're synonyms. Yeah, they're synonyms. Yes, El Patron. Wow. You have, you, in the future, maybe 2021, 2022, you have Padron and Jefe in the same lineup. I mean, teams that shouldn't even show good. up. Pitchers no. should just... All right, well, can we just concede a couple runs to you and move on to the next inning? <laughs> there we go. Very good. Yes. Uh, but Randy Arozarena, of course, um, 
terrific regular season and uh, Hall of Fame worthy postseason. But looking at the regular season, in 23 games played, he compiled a .8 WAR, 64 at bats, had a 1,022 OPS, 189 OPS plus, a slash line of 281, 382, 641, seven home runs, two doubles, four stolen bases, 11 RBI, and 15 runs scored. Uh, his average exit velocity was 90.3, second on the team behind Mike Brasso, interestingly. And his max exit velocity was 113.1. Uh, for comparison's sake, uh, Mike Trout's hardest hit ball this season was 112.9 miles per hour. So he's better than Randy, Trout already. Yeah. Better than there Trout. We go. Move better on than over. the weatherman. Better Hefe. than the weatherman. Yes. And of course, we know what he did in the postseason with the 29 hits, the 10 home runs, and really could have had an 11th home run, if not for Brett Gardner robbing a home run in the ALDS. And he probably could have had a couple extra hits, if not for Cody Bellinger and some other uh, standout defensive plays. I say all that to say this. There is a lot of talent and a lot of ability packed in a a uh, bulky, strong, 5'11", 185-pound frame. And if you're a Rays fan out there, you should be salivating because uh, Randy isn't arbitration eligible until 2024, and he won't be a free agent until 2027. Long-term contract extension, anybody there? Um, and look, here's, I, I, here's another nickname for you, the unicorn. He can do everything and do everything well. He just, just like Mookie Betts, screams out at the television at you with his talent and ability. Randy does the same thing with his bat speed, his leg speed, his arm speed, being able to throw out runners five to a player. second, five tool player. There we go. That's what we should call him. Five tool, Mr. <laughs> five, five tool. something uh, along those the lines. And yeah. And on the eye test that really the, the, the thing that stand out stands out to me the most or stood out to me the most, uh, of course, over the the postseason was his ability to hit home run and show power to all fields, hit a fastball wherever it's located, no matter how fast it is, and being able to adjust on the fly with a breaking ball as it's coming. He can wait on it because he has such elite-level bat speed. And he's, I'm telling you, I I don't want to say DJ LeMayhew over here, but he, based on what he did, this postseason and the regular season, he's unshiftable. He is unshiftable with some of the things he was able to do with power too. Yeah, with power to the other side. I think you, I might get it wrong, but out of those ten home runs, I believe that half or even more were to center field and right field, right center. I mean, it's that's a sweet yeah. spot. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was pulling the ball. I mean, there were a, a few to the left field, but I, I believe it was definitely in the minority out of those 10 home runs. So he would, he, that tear was amazing. And if you can do that for 20 games, there's huge talent. The biggest thing I, I, I uh, there isn't a, a flagrant flaw. I mean, it does, doesn't, something doesn't really scream out. You're like, wow, that's something he should work on. The one thing I saw was in the regular season where he started getting really hot and then he started just, getting a little bit antsy at the play, just like swinging yeah. at bad pitches. Cause you know, he, he felt good. Then he, then obviously he, he got on a, on a tear later in the season as well, uh, away from that drought. But that was what was worrying to me in the postseason. Like when is this well going to run dry? Mm-hmm. It didn't. 
he kept going. So if you were willing, uh, it, don't tell me that they didn't have scouting reports in, in that Yankee series after what he did against the Jays. Don't tell me that they, the Astros didn't have uh, the scouting report after what he had done against the Yankees and, and the Jays. And don't tell me that the Dodgers didn't have a scouting report on, yeah. on Aros Arena when <laughs> he had done what he did to the, the Astros, the Yankees, and the Jays. Okay, so this guy was able to adjust at the, at the highest level. This is a guy that you don't uh, – it doesn't come very often. If the Rays were a fan um, perspective, if, if, they, if they listen to the fans, I think they would get that long-term deal, that friendly. I don't think it's happening if, if, yeah. I, if they were up to me because, like you said, arbitration eligible 2024, the Rays are thinking, wait, so we could get that production for $570,000? Um, yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then we flip him uh, when he gets a little bit more expensive. That's just the race way. And it sucks. It really sucks because you could really have this guy. I, I know he's a little bit older. So maybe by the time that he is a free agent, um, the production is going to start declining. Right. So maybe why, why do that? But he's exciting. He's an exciting, a really good, fast, powerful player and, and those are the ones that you really love to uh cheer for oh and also he has a tremendous backstory that's going to make it into yes. the silver screen have we even mentioned that yeah it, it is all awesome actually the new york times did a terrific article on his transition from cuba to mexico to the united states and how he's kind of adopted mexico as his new home but what is also appreciative and like i mentioned kind of the comparison with mookie Beth, high effort high energy and yeah. look uh, there, there's not a lot of guys with, look, there's a lot of guys with power. There's not a lot of guys with power to all fields. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys are one dimensional power hitters. They're just pool hitters. And that's all they can do. Randy is not that. And to combine that with the fact that this guy can leg out an infield hit this guy yeah. <laughs> on a gapper, it's an automatic triple, like everything in anything about his game is amazing. And you mentioned the scouting report and how those teams had to have scouting reports on him. Yes, they did. And they probably said, or should have said, uh, just walk him, just give him the four fingers, right? Just move yeah. on to the next guy. Cause he's the only one in the lineup that's, oh. that's going to be hitting. And guess what? When he, you walk him, I like the Dodgers did in game four, he's going to kill you with his speed. Yes. He's going to kill you with his speed around the bases. And that tumble that he took from third home would have taken everybody us too, and everybody else that is listening, a good 10 minutes to, to mm-hmm. get up and, and know where we are and, and, and our surroundings. Right. It took him half a second to not only get up, but get up with style, <laughs> okay? With, with presence of mind of looking where the ball was, the action is, always keeping his eye on the ball, reacting well, listening to, to Rodney uh, Linares. I mean, yeah. the, the baseball IQ is unreal. Yeah, it really is. And man, he is just something special. Thank you, Cardinals. Thank you, John Mazalock. That's another one we can pin on the Cardinals. Another one of their players that uh, we can or other organizations can credit. The you know the Yankees can thank Luke Voigt uh, yeah. to the Cardinals, and uh, I mean true. we can also thank Tommy Pham as well. I mean, there's a lot of guys that they've given up on at, at some point there. But I want to go back to real quickly, your point on a long-term contract extension that I, I think you could be 
right about that. Uh, as much as I'd like to see him for what he did, you know, he's a guy that certainly, I mean, he could retire tomorrow and I'd be forever happy with what he did and how he <laughs> yes. helped the Rays for sure. But 25 years old, 258 days. So he's getting close to, I mean, by the end of this year, he's basically going to be 26 years old, uh, you know, right. early next year, I guess, entering spring training, he'll be 26 years old. So, so 26 eligible, arbitration, be, 2024. So what, yeah, so he'll, he'll be, be 29, 30, free, like by the time he's a free agent in 27, I mean, he'd be 32, 33, not a lot of ball players are able to, and a guy that is so, so reliably, he, he relies so much on his physical tools. You wonder how those, if those will depreciate by his early thirties. Again, this guy is a once in a generation athletic talent, I feel like. So maybe those do hold up through your early thirties years, but that's probably something the Rays are definitely, definitely considering or, that. So, or you take the other approach, which is, you know what, this guy's going to get expensive rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, maybe he does achieve super two status. So maybe he gets to arbitration even earlier. Right. Uh, Cause I, I don't know if he had yeah. that much time with the Cardinals. I'll no, he only check. played like a handful of games. I okay. mean, he was, yeah. So if, if you're able to, to, to get by that, then maybe you say, well, 2024, we still see that he's going to give us some production, but it'll be at 20 mil already. It'll yeah. do that jump. Like the Mookie Betts jump, the Nolan Arenado jump, where they just get really expensive the first year in arbitration. Right. Well, maybe you keep that a little bit more manageable. Um, and, ooh, is that Manfred? Yeah, Manfred on the phone. Really rude to call me in the middle. He knows we're recording. Dude. I told him, come on, <sighs> idiot. Manfred just... Okay, yeah, dude, Manfred, go, go do something with your time. I know. God. I should have put my phone on Do Not Disturb, but I figured, I've, I figured Manfred would text me yeah. And not call me. I mean, that's just yeah. a courtesy. Yeah. Manfred screwed it up again there. Ugh, Sorry to interrupt rude. your point, but th- yes, that it, and also I think another thing too is uh, they probably want to see how he reacts to this yeah. newfound fame and fanfare movie being made about People him. know his name now around yeah. the league. More again, than people know Brandon Lau. More than people know Austin Meadows. More than yes. people know Willie Adamas. People know Randy Arozarena. Mm-hmm. And again, a, a guy, there's a lot of guys that can get hot for a period of 40, 50 games. I don't think Randy's just that guy. That's okay. He's, he's, he's good. Now he's, he's no longer look, he's, you can see it. You can see the talent. It jumps out of you, out at you for sure. So let me put the asterisks though. They might know who a Rosarena is. They just might not be able to pronounce it. They might be like a Rosie Rena Rosa. Was I pronouncing it correct? Or was I butchering it? I'm, I'm just going to call him Randy. I think, I think I just got a Rosarena. A Ro- uh, Rosarena. Reina. A Rosarena. There we go. El Jefe. There we go. Padron. Padron and Jefe. There no, we go. Patron is Wander. Patron. Yes. You know, Can't I wait think to have he needs his own. Imagine that. Wander at the top of the lineup with, with Randy. Damn. Uh, I should be Randy's agent because I just came up with, I think, another great idea. Tequila line. Uh, he calls Mexico his home. You've got Padron, Patron, I guess, is you do Hefe. I mean, that is a boss tequila name. Maybe a, a boot line, cowboy boot line, Hefe. Just, just not even your really, own. Yeah. Not even your own. Just talk to The Rock. Be like, hey, can we do some, some, something here with uh, your Terramana? And then The Rock would obviously love Randy and of run course. Randy's game. Oh, man, I can see it happening. They could work out together, do yes. the 4 a.m. workouts. Uh-huh. Something tells me as athletic as Randy is 
The Rock has a little bit more strength on him. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> uh, just a tad. I, I feel like even The Rock could like hold uh hold Randy up on his on his to pinky. do push up like or, the, that wow. picture of the uh, Hercules or Adonis just holding <laughs> yeah. up the earth. He does that with the Rosarena. Okay, grade for uh, Chef Randy A Ros, whatever you want to call. It. 100 do you there's i mean and if, and if you say oh you can give a guy 100 okay 99 like yeah i mean what else did you want randy rosarena to do in 2020 because he did it all I, and even the regular season if, if he didn't play the postseason i still thought hey it's pretty good 95 but i mean yeah. if i'm deducting points out of nick anderson's amazing 2020 regular season to a 91 which should have been at 110 i'm definitely going to bump up Eros Arena's 95 to a 99 to 100. Right. I mean, A++. plus plus. Yeah. I'm going to give him a 99 because I want him to work for something. Hey, next year, 2021, really go for that 100 there. See if you okay. can do a little bit better. 99. Yeah, a plus. A yes. plus for sure. I think we can agree on that. Very good. Look, I don't think we're going to have a better or higher combined score on two players. No. In a player review episode. It just happened that... Uh, you got the two A's, Anderson and, and A-Roz, and they both got A's from us. How about that? Yeah. So Look at that. Um, I'm trying to think on the fly of the worst combination of player reviews, but we'll, we'll keep things on a positive note here. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll discuss that at another time there. Uh, remember, you can uh, check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash raise unfiltered for additional content. And tomorrow we have a, a segment with a rambling race. So that'll be fun. That is true. Stay tuned for that. We'll also have trivia, another uh, surprise uh, guest co-host and listener on the show. Uh, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Rays. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On MLB Prospects. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe. and We'll talk to you tomorrow.